Father, thank you for an opportunity to hear from your word. Thank you for speaking to us. And Father, I pray that my words are clear and that they would come from you. Help us to learn today what it is that we're called to do as we wait for your return. This is Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 2005, the year I graduated from high school, I uh, and some of my friends, we, we ran the Derby Half Marathon in Mobile. Now, I had run throughout my high school career, and so uh, we just trained a little bit harder, and we ended up running it. And after the end, when we all finished it, we all weren't completely dead, we said, you know what? Let's do this every year. So we decided right then and there that we would do it every year. And so the next April, we prepared to run it again. Only one of my friends decided to have back surgery, and so he couldn't make a full 13. So what we decided was we would all just run. They have the option that you can just run a relay. So we all broke up uh, the marathon in a relay, and we ran that. And then the next year came. Now, at this point, I had quit running. I had met this girl, and I really liked her. And I had also started a ministry, and I really liked that. And so I decided, you know what, I just don't think I want to spend my weekends in places like Circleville, Ohio, or anything like that, running races. And so I decided I, I'm just going to stop running for this. But I'm definitely going to keep training. I'm definitely going to keep training. And so January comes, and the race is in April, and my friends uh, messaged me, and they said, you know, we need to run this. Remember, we made this pact that we are running this every year. And I said, of course. Of course we're going to run this. And so I paid like $65 or something like that to go and run this half marathon. So January, I said, you know what? I haven't really been running that regularly, but I'm definitely going to start now. I'm definitely going to make sure that I'm ready for this. And so in February, I decided, you know what? It really should be time for me to start running. And so I started thinking about training plans and how much I needed to run. And then in March, I, I started running. And so here I was a month before having to run 13.1 miles. And I thought, you know what, I've done this before, so I'm just going to pick up where I left off and everything will be okay. And all of a sudden I found that it was a little bit harder to run than it used to be. And I wasn't able to go as far as I used to go. But I read this somewhere, or maybe I made it up, but I, I read that if you can run nine miles in training, Surely the adrenaline and everything else will get you to 13. And so I said, if I can just run nine, I'll be good. And so two weeks before the half marathon, I decided to go on my nine-mile run. And I made it six and was tired, so I stopped. But in my mind, I was like, six is close to nine, which gets you to 13. So I think I'll be good. My mind did not say Six is less than half of 13, Dolly. It said you, you can maybe get that. And so I didn't run for two weeks. And so I get to the starting line. I go stand in the pace group that I had three years before with the people I ran with three years before, thinking that this was going to go swell. And so we decided to start running. And for five miles, I kept up with them. And six miles, I started getting a little bit farther. And then about six and a half miles, my body started communicating with me. It said, hey, we haven't done this in a while. What are you doing? And I said, be quiet. I'm going to run and I'm going to finish this race. And my body says, no, you're not. And so there at mile six and a half in Iroquois Park in Louisville, Kentucky, with a thousand people running by me, I pull off to the side and I get sick. 
a thousand people. Now the running community, they're they're really supportive. So everybody was like, well, that's out of the way. Now you can do it. And I was like, you're right, you stranger. And so I get back on the path, and I was like, I'm going to run this. And so I run, and all of a sudden, everything hurts. It's everything hurts. And so I run, and I get to mile seven. I was like, I cannot run anymore. And so I walk to mile eight, and I was like, I feel recovered now. I'm good now. So I start running again, and my body's like, no, dummy. And so I got to mile nine, and I walked. And I walked to mile 10, and at 10 miles, there was a CVS in Louisville, Kentucky. And I sat down on the curb in the middle of Louisville with the reservation that this is where my life ends. Like, I felt so insanely terrible that this is where I was going to die. And as a Kentucky fan, dying in Louisville is not really where you want to be, but I said, I guess is where it's going to go and I looked up and all of a sudden I see like 95 year old people and guys pushing like septuplets in a stroller and I was like my goodness these are not the normal people I used to run with these are the people I used to make fun of for running and yet they're going past me as I'm dying on the curb in front of the CVS in Louisville Kentucky now those were embellishments but this one really happened I looked up and there are six people dressed as Elvis who run past me singing ain't nothing but a hound dog and they beat me and it was in that moment that I realized you're not a runner anymore you have quit training you have quit trying you did not prepare yourself for this moment so you need to quit calling yourself a runner and you may be generous and say you're somebody who runs but you are definitely not a runner anymore the second word in our uh, logo is connect and then serve, or sorry, connect and grow. Growing means that you continue to do something, that you didn't just settle for where you were and that you're ready to keep going. See, last week we talked about connecting, and the church has to be a place where you come at any level of spirituality, any walk of life, any background, and find a place where you fit in. But the second part of growing means that you have to, we love you where you are, but we really want you to go where God is calling you to be. Like, we know that when we came out of the water from baptism, God didn't just like zap us up and our life was over and that was all we needed to do. Because we're still here and because we have things to do, we have to realize that there must be a reason why we're still breathing. There must be a reason why we're supposed to keep going, and that answer is because we're supposed to grow. Because we're supposed to train. 2 Peter 3 is where we're going to be today. If you want to turn to your Bibles, it's on the YouVersion app, or it's also on the screen. Um, 2 Peter 3, on the, looking from the outside in, doesn't seem like it talks about growing. In fact, what most people turn to when they talk about 2 Peter 3 is this is a lot about what we call the end of the world. This is when God comes back and makes a new heaven and a new earth. And so it may seem a little bit odd that we're talking about how to live our life now in light of this. But I think you'll see why this applies. And so 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. This is a reference to Noah and the flood. 
By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So what does this have to do with growing? Well, we see that there's a group of people who know that God is coming back. They have been told by their parents, they've been told by their generations that came before them that God has this plan and that God's going to come back. And yet they're saying, when is this really going to happen? See, they're losing their patience. And what we find is when we choose to grow, there's going to be some enemies in our path that try to keep us from growing. And one of them is impatience. One of them is that things don't happen in the order and in the time frame that we want them to happen. And so we grow impatient. And usually what happens when we grow impatient is we give up. We say, I'm done. Psalm 37, 7 fits this. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. It says, listen. When you look around and you see people who you know aren't Christians succeeding and getting richer and getting uh, you know, awards and, and all this stuff, don't, don't get down. Don't get down on yourself. Don't get down on God just because the wicked are prospering. You're living in a sinful world. <clears throat> it says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret and leave only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The psalmist says, don't get caught up in what you see. Remain faithful to what you know. Don't grow impatient and don't give up just because things aren't exactly working the way that you think that they should work. And that wicked people are succeeding. Don't get caught up in that. Remember the fact that there's going to be a time when God comes, makes all things new, and you're going to be on the winning side. Don't lose heart. That's what Peter says as he continues on in verse 8. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He says, listen, God is not just buying his time. He's not just sitting up there with nothing to do, and he hasn't forgot about you. God is patiently waiting for people to be saved. Some people ask the question, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? And the answer is because there's someone out there who's going to be saved that isn't saved yet. That's why. There's somebody out there who is saved that who isn't saved that's going to be saved, and so God hasn't come back yet. I think what's harrowing and humbling for us is that that means that there's going to be a time where there is literally no one else on this earth who's going to have a relationship with God, and that's when He's going to come back. But if we're impatient, we won't grow. If we lose track of the fact that this is why God is delaying, this is why God is patient, then we're going to stop growing. There's some other enemies of, of growth. The other one is complacency. Another one is complacency. This is where we as Christians, and let's be honest, I think if we had to highlight one, this is it. This is where we as Christians have ascended to some sort of plateau in our spiritual life, to where we are saved, we've got our get up of hell free card, and we're good to go. And so we have pitched our tent or built a mansion or whatever we have done here on this plateau, and we have no interest in continuing on. We have no interest in growing because we like where we're at. Where we're at is comfortable. Where we're at is free from persecution. Where we're at is okay with our family and with unbelievers. And we can do what we want. And we're saved. And so we're good where we are. 
This is called complacency, being satisfied with where you are at. The problem is that Jesus talks about a complacent church in Revelation. In Revelation 3, he's talking to a church, he says, I know your deeds. I know that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus says to this church, listen, you're complacent. You're, you're not iced away from me, like cold to me. You haven't abandoned me, but you're also not setting the world on fire. You're also not doing what you're supposed to do and growing and serving your community and all this. You're not, you're not hot, you're cold, you're kind of in the middle. And the word for spit out, that's actually a generous trans translation. It basically means to vomit. In other words, it makes him sick. And yet here we go around our lives just being okay with being saved. We go around our lives being just okay with where we are and we don't want to go any farther. We like where we're at. But the problem is that if you are not growing, you are actually shrinking. Complacency to us means that we're staying the same. But the truth is that every day you either grow closer to God or you get farther away from Him. The third enemy of growth is arrogance. The arrogance is... I'm complacent, but because the place I'm complacent is better than a lot of other people, I'm happy about it. And not only am I happy about it, I'm going to let those below me know how much better I am than they are. That's why Facebook was invented. <laughs> Luke 18, sorry, Luke 18, Jesus talks about someone who does this in a parable. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I can get. He really likes where he is. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up at heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus said, this person who thinks that they have it high and mighty, and they're exactly where they need to be, they're not growing. They're resting on the fact that they're not as bad as everyone else. He says, this tax collector understands that where I am is not where I want to be, and so God made me someone different. The tax collector is growing. The Pharisee is fine right where he is. And the truth of the matter is that everyone in this room, and myself included, keep falling into one of these three traps. We become impatient. We become complacent. And we may become a little bit arrogant. And because we're satisfied with where we are, or because we frankly give up, we quit growing. And when we quit growing, our treatment. And when it comes to following God, that's a dangerous place to be. Peter continues in verse in chapter 3 and verse 10. He says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Listen, this is what Peter is saying. He's saying, the day of the Lord is not like a final exam. Right? You don't know the day, so you can't plan to cram the night before. 
You can't just wait and not pay attention and then hope that those, uh, you know, those notes that you copied off of your friend who was paying attention gets you enough knowledge to pass this final exam. He says, it's going to come like a thief in the night, which means you don't know when this is going to happen. So you have to make a conscious decision to live in a certain way now. And so he says, how do we live this way? He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed that's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. He says, because this is the reality, because this is what God is going to do, in the meantime, you make sure that you do everything in your power to be ready for that. In other words, don't put off training for that race that's coming. Until it's too late. Because when that day comes, you don't want to be hunched over on the side of the road as everybody else is ready. You see, we have to make sure that we're called to live holy and godly lives. We need to make sure that we're making conscious decisions to do that. Our response to waiting is to grow. Our response to having to wait for God to come and make all things new is a conscious decision that every day I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm not going to become stationary. I'm not going to become complacent. I'm going to keep growing in order to be in shape for what's about to come. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get that prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Paul says, I know that there's something out there. Peter says, there is something out there. Paul says, I'm not going to just wander around aimlessly, biding my time and waiting for this to happen. I'm going to consciously make a decision that I'm going to train to get what God is calling me to do. I'm going to make a conscious decision that I'm going to keep growing. Now, some people in the early church took these words way too far. And when he talks about striking a blow to their body, they would actually whip themselves and things like that. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is what anyone who has ever had a diet knows. Sometimes you got to tell your body no. Because day four of the diet, chocolate cake sounds really good. Day four into trying to get back into shape. Sitting around eating ice cream and watching Netflix sounds really good. But you got to say no. You got to say no because you know that doesn't help. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, Your body, and the Bible's full of this, your flesh is going to tell you to give up. Your flesh is going to tell you you've done enough. Your flesh is going to tell you you're better than everyone else. Your flesh has to be told no, and you have to continue to train, even though, and I don't think it's a if, even though it will hurt itself. It will hurt at times. It will hurt when you train. But it makes you better. And so Paul continue, or Peter continues. He says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Since we are looking forward to this. And by the way, that aside this morning, if you are a Christian, Jesus coming again should not scare you. It should be what wakes you up every single day and motivates you to live your best life. We are looking forward to this. So because we're looking forward to this, we make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. 
Bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, and they do so do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Now there's a little aside that he kind of takes here. He kind of uh, hopefully is a friendly jab at Paul, basically saying when Paul writes, he writes where like Ray up here, but me, I'm fisherman, I'm way down here. I'm not as good as Paul. He was kind of giving a, a nice little uh, jab, I guess, to him. But he wants to put out that when Paul puts these things up here that are from God, people look at him like, oh no, that's not that's too hard. I'm not going to worry about that. And they're going to go and distort other things. So he's talking about the dangers of not growing and just being complacent where you are. He says, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory now and forever. Amen. Paul says, because you're looking forward to this and because you have been warned that this day is coming, what you do is you grow. You choose on a daily basis to grow in the knowledge of our and the grace of Jesus. You choose to learn more about Him. The way we keep growing, the way we stay faithful, and the, stay, the way we stay blameless is to continue to pursue a stronger relationship with Jesus. Here's the thing that, that, that really frustrates me. If you've been in church, like you were born and then instead of going home, you came to church. Like that's how long you've been in church. And you've been there the whole day and every Sunday and every Wednesday and every Tuesday and whatever. You have been here all the time. Then the danger that we have is that we think we've got it figured out. We have heard the scripture before. We have listened to this sermon before. We have read this Bible before. Here's the truth. If you have been a Christian for 75 years. And that's a long time. And if you've read the Bible every day in your 75 years of being a Christian, you still following, you still follow an all-loving, all-powerful, and all-knowing God, which means He's beyond your comprehension, which means there's stuff you haven't learned yet. And so that means none of us can ever say, I'm good. Like, I've got enough of a picture of Jesus that I'm good. Because Jesus is so much bigger than anything that we can fathom. Then you read the same verse that you read 35 years ago. Guess what? It says something different. It allows you to understand Jesus and yourself in a brand new way. And the reason that we don't give up is because when you start sliding away, if you start sliding away in your training when you're running, you might put on a few pounds. If you slide away, or slide away from your training when it comes to righteousness, you might find yourself away from God. That's why in so many instances, the New Testament uses phrases like beware because sin is crouching like a lion is ready to devour. That's why so many times you see the New Testament say be on your guard. That's why the writer of Hebrews said don't drift away. Because if you do not grow, you'll start going backwards. And maybe you don't notice the first day, the second day, or the first year. But eventually you're going to be more susceptible to the things that used to hold you captive because you've slid back instead of continuing to grow. And so the reason that grow is the second part of what we do here at East 40 is because we believe that we love you too much to leave you where you're at. And we know how hard training is. And we know how hard it is to live a Christian life in a world that is against it. And so we want together 
to build each other up and to push each other on. To say, hey, don't give up. To say, hey, it's great that you're here and you've got to this point, but I think God has more in store for you. And so how do we do that? Well, we do that here through Sunday school classes and Bible studies and small groups. We don't just offer them because that's what Paul told us to do in First Opinions. Like, we, we offer these. That's a joke. It's not a book in the Bible. All right. Um, you would know that if you're... All right. Um, I'm joking. Uh, we, we Sunday school classes. We want you to be involved in Sunday school classes, small group, and a Bible study because you can help learn and grow for your inner group of people. One of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed is we invited some older folks to come to our youth group one night in Bowling Green, and we read from the same exact scripture, and the older folks learned what the younger folks saw when they saw that scripture, and the younger folks learned what the older folks saw, and they both went away saying, my goodness, I never would have realized that if somebody else hadn't been there. You see, we grow together when we study scripture together. And yes, you can do Bible reading plans on your own. I think I know you should be in the Bible every single day, but there's something to getting together corporately and worshiping together. And so here in your insert today in your bulletin, we have two flyers. The first is the growing in East 40. This tells you the Sunday school classes that we know of right now that we're going to be offering through the end of the year so that you can make a plan to be here and to be a part of it. We also on the back have our list of small groups. There's one group that got left off, and I'm sorry about that. The Patterson uh, Steer Richmond group, they're on there too. Uh, that's another group that meets every week. Maybe Sunday mornings that don't work for you, but Wednesdays or Tuesdays or something else might. And let me tell you this this morning. Um, most of these groups, we can get rid of the small label because it's not small anymore. There's a lot of them, and so we need more groups. So that people can get plugged in. And here we have some retreats that we're going to offer this year. Because we're serious about you knowing how you can grow and knowing how you can plug in. There's another handout there in your bulletin that has to do with our children's and our youth program. Sometimes when we get here in big church and we talk and we just talk about this is what we're doing for adults. This mission statement applies to kids in the nursery. It applies to preschoolers, elementary, middle school, high school, college kids, and the rest of them. All along the way, we believe in making sure that you grow. And so I'm so proud of Josh and the work that he's putting into this. And I want to let you know that we are serious about not offering daycare on a Sunday morning, but an important foundation for your kids to start knowing more about Jesus. And we're serious about that. Because we believe that it is our duty as Christians to make sure that that next generation is growing in faith. And so we are making a conscious effort to make sure, does our curriculum do this? If not, we're getting rid of it and we're starting something new. And that's why starting next week, something very important is going to happen. During this service, we're going to offer junior church for the entire service. And we're going to offer We Warriors as it is right now for the entire service. And the reason we're doing that is because we have found something that we believe is important. All the kids will join in worship. They will then split, but the, the, the junior church kids will then hear a lesson from Scripture, participate in games, and grow together in small groups. In other words, everything that we do as sophisticated adults, they're going to do in a Sunday morning. And we want you to make sure that you're plugging your kid into this. We are not babysitting your kid. We are laying foundations for their spiritual growth. 
And that means that we need your help. If you want to help in this way and serve in the children's ministry, we definitely need more help. But we're serious about growing. We just love to celebrate when we see a kid grow up in our ministry. And then we start having discussions. Hey, so-and-so, they're starting to get it. They're starting to ask questions. And then we all celebrate when they're baptized. And then we join together as brothers and sisters then in Christ to continue to build them up in their faith. And so we're serious about growing here at East 40. And so the question I have for you today as we wrap up is how's your training? How's it going? Are you still moving? Are you still trying? Are you still growing? Because if not, I've been there. And I'm not talking about the experience I mentioned earlier. I've been there. And I'm sure the person sitting next to you, they've been there too. And yes, it might hurt a little bit to start again, but the beautiful thing about grace is that it just picks you up wherever you left off. And it leads you to where you need to go. And so this morning, that is an invitation for all of us to choose today to grow in our faith. You see, as long as we're breathing, we are meant to keep growing. And so our challenge is to dig into the Word of God and learn more about God. And as you learn more about God, you learn more about yourself. This morning, maybe the step that you need to take to grow is to say that Jesus is who He says He is. That He did what He said He was going to do by dying on the cross. And that He alone can save us. If that's you, I invite you to come and talk to me this morning. Maybe today you say, you know, I just want to kind of plant myself here at this church. Plant my family here at this church. I know the membership doesn't mean 